Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can in turn inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. As is our custom, I am joined by Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Good morning, Dean. Good morning. Hey, I normally or recently shared my top 10 favorite books. Yep. Um, And now is a great time for people to be reading and learning about our sport and about things surrounding our sport. And there's lots of different types of books. Um, Do you have a favorite running book? You know, probably one of the very first running books I ever read was Ultra Marathon Man. Uh, It's the Dean Carnassus, kind of the autobiography of Dean Carnassus. And uh, I I love stories. You know, that's why I love to read the devotions and the devotions books that we have, uh, because I love a really good story. I'm not really a fiction guy. Uh, I'm a nonfiction guy. And uh, yeah, that's probably one of my favorites. yeah, Run With Joy, the the first book that Ryan Hall wrote is yeah. a really good one. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think those two are the ones that stick out to me. Yeah, I, there, and there are so many books out there. I don't know, uh, if you haven't gone out and just Googled running books, oh my goodness, there's so, so many. Um, I certainly haven't read them all. And they're, you mentioned they're in all sorts of categories. Some yeah. of them are how-to and how to train better or how to eat better or how to whatever better. Um, and some of them are, are novels that tell stories. And some of them are true stories about, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think about the, the book Running with the Buffaloes, which I have not read, but mm-hmm. I've heard is really good. Um, and it's a the true story about a particular cross-country season at the University of Colorado. Uh, lots of good stuff out there. So um, Yeah, and I, I noticed that you've got written down here um, – how bad do you want it? The, the book by Matt Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, it is. That one's it, not only is it full of stories, but it also challenges you. It does. Um, it really gets into the what's going on upstairs, and and that the mind is a lot more powerful than we think it is. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, that's a great one. I've I've read the hardcover as well as listened to the the book on. Um, what do you call that? The audio book. Audible. Audible. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and we, we've actually had our triathlon team read it. I think you've went through it with your yeah. cross country girls and yeah, it's a great book out there. So if you haven't, haven't read that one, pick that one up. That's Man, if one. you're struggling with the mental side of running, mm-hmm. that's, that's a really good one. Um, I remember reading a book when I was in high school that was called Flanagan's run. And, uh, I, you know, I don't remember all that much that I read when I was in high school, but I remember that one. It was about a transcontinental race. Hmm. that started i think it's somewhere on the west coast and finished on the east coast mm-hmm. um and i just remember being fascinated by the idea that somebody could do that yeah and uh and then not long after that my my coach actually did that race really and ran coast to coast yeah he finished really? third overall in that race how long did that take uh it's like around 60 days wow yeah it was over the summer they do it during the summertime i guess so so teachers can 60 days can do that's it. what 60 miles a day or yeah, something like that? It was 60, a lot. 70 miles a day? It was a lot. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. So, and then there's, there's a lot of science books out there that really explain to you what's going on in your body mm-hmm. when you, when you run, which is really fascinating if you've never, and some people don't like to want to know. That's, that's me. <laughs> I, I, I get lost. I, I consider that the weeds. I get yeah. lost there. Um, but you, you mentioned here, uh, other types of books like cold case Christianity and the case for Christ. I've read one of those. I don't know which one it is. I've cold read. case Christianity. That's the one I've read. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, and the gentleman that wrote that book, he, he used to be a prosecutor. Yeah. No, he was a detective. The one I read with, he was a detective. Okay. And yeah. he, he went through Christianity from a historical perspective and from a perspective of he was putting somebody on trial. Yeah. Is, is that the one I've read? Yeah. 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 His, his idea was, I don't think this is necessarily true. And so I'm going to prove it's not true. He went to prove Christianity wrong. Right. And became a believer in yes. the process. Yes. Fascinating book. And yeah. he actually has one for kids as well that we've went through with our two boys. And uh, yeah, that's a great book. So lots of lots of great books out there. Yeah. Yeah. So get out there and read one of them. One of them that we should all be reading mm-hmm. is the number one all-time bestseller, the Bible. So yeah. um, if we'll spend a lot of time by on that. Far. One, by far. By it's far. It's not even close. Not even close. Yeah. You know what's interesting about the Bible too is when you look at ancient manuscripts and a lot of people if you've ever if you've read that that cold case Christianity and mm-hmm. books like that you find out that there are so there are so many more manuscripts from the Bible than there are any other ancient yeah. that's what it it kills me when somebody says they're not sure that the Bible is true yeah. when there are so many manuscripts out there for the Bible and then there's only a couple for these books that we we believe like right like it's like it is the gospel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting. So if you've got questions, if you've got things you'd like to talk about as far as topics and things like that, let us know what those are. We want to talk about what you want to talk about. So you can send those messages to dean at runforgod.com. I have heard from some of you. Um, we have taken some of your topics and inserted them into some of the things that we've done. And we will continue to do that. If you've got a yearning to hear something that we haven't discussed, let me know what that is and we will go at it. Um, if you don't know about Run for God and you somehow happened up on this thing on this podcast, then go out there and, and find out more about Run for God. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, we are proud here to be sponsored by J Radio, which we consider the world's greatest digital music platform. As a Christian runner, you might find it hard to decide what to listen to while you run. If you are looking for positive and Christian music that will help you keep your pace, check out the Radioactive Station on the new J Radio. We'll take care of picking the music so that you can concentrate on your run. Plus, you can count on us to make sure that the music is uplifting and encouraging. Check out JRadio.com or download the app in your app store. Okay, so I got to ask a question. What is it like to interview Dean Carnassus? Well, um, it, it's it's pretty intriguing. You know, that's as I said before the break. That was one of the first books that I ever read was Ultra Marathon Man. Um, and in the interview, you're going to be hearing more about the interview next week. Uh, I'm actually, as of this recording, I'm interviewing him this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Is when the interview is going to be. And I've been spending the past few days uh, getting ready for it. But if you don't know who Dean Carnassus is, he's probably the guy that took, uh, that made ultra runners, 
ultra distance runners, and by that I mean anything over 26 miles, he kind of made them the cool crowd. Yeah. You know, before Dean, ultra distance runners were that. They were, a lot of people thought they were strange and mysterious and, you know, I, he, he kind of made that cool. And his story is he, he runs these incredible distances. There's been a lot of science done on Dean that he can actually get rid of lactic acid as he's producing it for days on end. You know, yeah. a lot of people are efficient in getting lactic acid, getting rid of lactic acid when they're working out, but it has a cumulative effect on most people. And eventually it's going to bring you down that a lot of times that's that proverbial wall. Right. Uh, when all this stuff culminates at mile 20 of a marathon, but Dean, he science has proven he can just get rid of it for days on end. He's ran 350 miles at one, at time, one time with no sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be a fascinating interview. I've listened to him a lot. I've, I've read some of his books. And, uh, so yeah, if you guys, uh, I hope you're excited as excited as we are about hearing this interview. My, uh, I grew up, uh, with a coach who was a, as I just said, uh, an ultra marathoner. And so, uh, I knew what ultra marathoning was before other people knew what ultra marathoning was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was crazy. There were, you know, a handful of people who were doing it back then. And it was very interesting to watch, uh, those guys go and to do the things that they do. And it's gotten so much more, it's gotten so much better now. Mainstream. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, back, you know, he, he talks about the, I'll kind of give a little bit of, of one of his stories away, but he, in the, one of his early runs, um, you know, he just, he just kind of started this one night. Yep. Um, his life really wasn't going where he wanted it to go. He was feeling kind of in a rut and he was actually at his 30th birthday party at, at a bar and just had that, I've had it moment that I'm over this and left the bar Went home, got a pair of um, his yard shoes that he worked in the yeah. yard, and went out and ran 30 miles that night. Yeah. Who does that? Who does, But yeah. he, he talks about, you know, he, he always runs with his credit card, and he would, he would call Domino's Pizza during his run yeah. and have them deliver a pizza yeah. to the corner of this road and this road. And you would see this guy running down the road carrying a pizza box, eating pizza. And yeah. So it's just it's fascinating, um, his story, and I, I can't wait to – to interview him this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely going to be interesting. He is an interesting and uh, uh, quite unique fellow. This week, our story comes from Mesquite, Nevada, um, from a lady by the name of Pamela McCandless. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, and it is called Trust. When my niece, Julie Wicker, decided to start a Run for God virtual race challenge, I knew I needed to be part of it. Her dad, Tom Anderson, was losing his fight with cancer, and I wanted a means to honor him during his final days. The Run for God challenge is meant to get you both spiritually and physically fit. While I may not be religious, I am spiritual, and I see myself as a slow but consistent runner. Julie asked that we come up with a word for the year that had an impact on us. My word this year is trust. So much was going on in my world when we started this challenge. Along with my brother-in-law losing his battle with cancer, my husband Vaughn had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Trust was so appropriate for me because I knew I was not in control of anything in my life at that time. 
Running gave me time to pray and meditate and help me understand why Tom was being called home so young. In addition, I was having to experience this ugly disease with my own husband. My Run for God virtual race turned into six miles on March the 28th. I used it to give thanks to God for my husband successfully completing his cancer treatments, for Tom to pass peacefully, and Penny, my sister, to begin a new chapter in her life. As a leader, Julie was the best, and she inspired so many around her. The distance between South Carolina and Nevada did not keep us apart for this virtual race challenge. With a three-hour time difference, she started before me and finished her portion as I was ready to begin. I was honored to take the baton from her as together we completed a half marathon virtually together. It's a cool story and, and one where people have figured out how to get together over distances, yeah. um, which is something we've all had to try to do. She shares several scriptures. One is uh, John six thirty five, where it says, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Uh, she shares a couple of others. John three sixteen. we've probably all heard, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then finally, she, she shares Psalms 121, 1 and 2. I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Yeah, you know, Dean, every one of those verses talk about trust. I do. Um, faith. And, you know, if we can just learn to accept those verses, put those mm. verses uh, in our thought life every day and, and trust that Jesus is who he says he is. Um, and, and so many times we read the Bible and it, it kind of becomes a, a story to us mm-hmm. instead of reality. Yeah. Um, Jesus is who he says he is. He did actually say these things, and if we do what he says, then our life will be so much better. But it demands an enormous amount of trust. Yeah. Um, You know, it it says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. How hard is it to trust that, especially in times like this? With so much uncertainty, we we feel like we've got to do things ourselves. We've got to... I've said it on here before. We've got to help God out, um, but that's not that's not what Jesus wants. He wants our yeah. trust. He wants our faith. So this this story from Pamela is dead on, uh, especially for a time like this. Yeah, and you know she talks about losing somebody close, and we've all probably been there. Um, watching somebody go through cancer is hard. You've mm-hmm. done it. You, I mean, you you had two. You were watching at the same time. Mm-hmm. Had it uh, that myself. Were, And you had it yourself. And and those folks close, and it's really difficult to watch. Um, And trusting God sometimes is really hard. I recently um, lost somebody. My mother um, I lost. But when I think about it, in hindsight, you've shared your father's story and how Mm -hmm. inspirational that is, that Mm -hmm. um, cancer saved his life is the the way you phrase it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's true. Mm -hmm. I look at my mother who, uh, who lived a life and, that was not it was not fruitful it wasn't good it wasn't happy it was it was not a very good existence for her for a while Mm -hmm. um she got outside of her comfort zone a little bit and wound up in the church and her whole life changed Mm -hmm. she became closer to christ than ever um 
in, in her last week of her life, she got to see our girls team run a national championship. That was her big thing was watching me run. So mm-hmm. watching those girls were run was just an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard that she's gone. I yeah. still have days, you know, where I wake up and I go, gosh, I so want to call her right now, but I can't. Um, but gosh, that, there's so much to hang on to, though, there when you think about God's promises and what he did through all of that. Yeah, and it, and it comes down to there, there's an enormous amount of trust there. It's, you know, you hear people say, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's in the context of death. But, but think about what we're saying. God promise us, promises us that if we're a believer in him to be absent from the body is to be present with him. Mm-hmm. Well, if we believe that, then we should be rejoicing. And a lot of funerals yeah. are rejoicing. And, and I get it. I was, I was heartbroken when my dad died. But just for a little while. I miss him tremendously today. But I trust in God's word. I know that my dad is present with Christ right now. You wouldn't take him away from where he is right now, would you? <laughs> Not in a million years. Yeah. Because I know, because I trust mm-hmm. that I'm going to be with him again. So a lot of times it's just our perspective. And you know, if we can step back from whatever situation it is, even if it's a death of a loved one, our mother, our dad, our great friend, um, if we believe that, if we trust that, then we need to look at those who are still here and say, how can I, how can I have that same perspective if I were to lose that person? Yeah. And that is, in doing that, to be able to do that, we've, we've got to make sure that they're, they're going with us wherever mm-hmm. it is or to heaven, and, and we've got to make sure that we're sharing the gospel with them and pointing them to Christ through our life and our action and our attitudes and, and the way we live our life so that we can be at peace when that person does pass along. I know I'm kind of digressing here, but it, it's trust. It's, it's trusting in what God says. Yeah, um, and, and we've got, to be, we've got to be vigilant about that. I think sometimes we take for granted that somebody has that relationship and we should ask those questions. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one of the things I've learned over the years is I've seen people close to me who have passed away. And I realized after they passed away, I'm not really sure where they stood. Right. Asking that question to know is... Uh, is and that can be a tragedy. It, it, is, it can be. It yeah. can be. Um, she asked some general questions here. One, the first one is, how can I be a better Christian? <laughs> we... We talked about books, and there's no better way than to open up that Bible because it's, it's an instruction manual for how to be a better Christian, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, and it's, it's as simple as being what we always talk about, the sport of running. What, what makes you the best runner? It's not the workouts. It's the consistency. Yeah. Um, and it's the same way with our walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I can be a better Christian. Uh, I can be a better friend to Christ and follower of Christ by being consistently following him, learning from him, talking to him, reading his word, praying. Um, it's really not hard. We, we complicate it sometimes, but it's not hard. It's, it's, it's just like running is not hard. It's not hard to get faster. You know, it's, it's the consistency. Yeah, and it strikes me that we, you know, we talk about this all the time, about how in running there's more than one way to get there. There's more than one way to be the best runner. Right. Um, there's not one training plan out there that is the best training plan for everybody. 
You know, it's the same thing with our Christian walk. A lot of people want to know, well, what, what do I, which part of the Bible do I need to focus on? And, you know, sometimes you just need to let the Holy Spirit yeah. guide you to a spot. And maybe what you need to learn and what you need to be focused on today is different than what I need to be focused on today. Right. But let me clarify, there is only one way. There is only one way. Right. I just wanted all our listeners to hear that's, that. That's there a, is only one way. There are many you. training plans out there to get to a marathon, but... Yes. There is only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. But you're right. It's it's what workout do we need to be doing for that day? Could be a myriad of things, and it needs to be prompted by the Holy Spirit, yeah. not what somebody's telling you. Could be the book of Corinthians or the book of Judges. Two exactly. completely different things, but yeah. uh, both both so important to, exactly. to what we do, and and both good instructions and guides on what 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 we who we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about one word. I think about the word love. Um, if you want to be good Christians, to me, there's no better way to do it um, than to understand that we're all sinners. I, I, I so get frustrated sometimes at people who want to take certain sins and want to lift those up as being this one's more important than this one. And most of the time it's because this is the one that I do. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm really bad about eating too much. Yep. Gluttony is a sin. That is a, that's a problem, and it's something that I need to work on. And we, we look at that, and we think, oh, that's just a little thing. Right. But now this sin over here, this is a big deal. Yeah. They're all the same, right? Exactly. Mm-mm. Uh, find a way to pour your, yourself into whatever you can do. You know, that's what we're doing here is we're trying to share Christ through running. Um, that's, what, that's what God has given us. He's given all of us something. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding that talent and what you can do. I remember a lady that used to go to the church that I that I went to who her thing was when whenever anybody was hurting if somebody was in the hospital if they were sick or if they had a birthday it didn't matter whatever occasion she would send a card mm-hmm. or sometimes she would just she'd print something off the internet and send it to you through the mail mm-hmm. and in this day and time you think well that's really strange but it was so awesome to get those things how, how impactful is to get a letter a handwritten letter yes. in the mail nowadays. I cherish those. Yes. And that was her thing. Yeah. Everybody's got a different thing. And I think about, you know, my thing might be running. Her thing was sending these things through the mail. Think about how many other millions of things there are out there. We, we, we all have do. a ministry. Yeah, we do. We do. The second question is, why does God take those who are so young? You know, I read this story and my thought immediately went back to... Uh, Part of why Run for God is what it is today. Uh, a, late, a young lady by the name of Katie Withlow, um, who died in her early 20s. Um, and if you've read my story, uh, back in 2008, I ran the Blue Ridge Relay, and we were running in Katie's memory, and we had shirts made that said Running for Katie. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was the response that that shirt got um, from so many people saying, Hey, what is Running for Katie? Tell me that story. And that's where I realized the power of a shirt. And that's kind of mm-hmm. when, when Run for God was being created, I, I thought back to that shirt, and that's kind of how the Run for God shirt came to be. But Katie was a believer. She was very outspoken in the last weeks and months of her life. She knew, um, actually, she, she chose um, not to have chemotherapy. She was pregnant, and she chose not to have chemotherapy because she wanted her daughter to live and mm-hmm. knew that it would ultimately cost her her life but she was a believer she knew where she was going she had that hope that trust that we just talked about she yes she knew she was going to miss everyone 
Um, but she knew where she was going to be, and her whole family knew where she was going to be. So when you connect all those dots. Had it you, not been for Katie yeah, dying it in her early 20s, how many people have come to know Christ through the Run for God ministry? Not because of anything you and I have done, but because of what God is doing through this ministry. That may not have ever happened had it not been for somebody so young losing a battle with uh, lymphoma is what she had. And so, yeah, it's there again, when you step back and you, you, you kind of take all the emotion out of it, which is hard to do. It's hard to take all the emotion out when you're in the middle of, of something you feel like is a crisis that God is allowing you to go through. But when you can step back and look at it from a 30,000-foot view, I, that's why I always say hindsight's twenty twenty. in our walk with Christ. You can see all those God points, and it's fascinating. And you know what I think is really, really interesting about this is you can see that, and you can see where Katie had that impact. How many people... That's because a lot of times we don't see it. We see something tragic and we just wonder, man, that just seems so tragic. Why? And we don't know the answer. But there are people out there today who knew Katie, Mm -hmm. who were crushed by that whole situation, who have no idea that Run for God was formed and and that that may have been part of the the genesis of all of that. And they don't know that. So how many times have we lost somebody or, or seen tragic thing? We don't know of anything good that came out of it, but there's a really good chance that something did somewhere. We just don't know about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and many times we won't know about it on this side of glory. Yeah. Uh, but I have no doubt that when we get to heaven, we're going to start to hear all these stories that we never even knew about. Yeah. And we're just going to smile and yeah. say, that wasn't a tragedy. Yeah. It was, it was all for his glory. Yeah. Crazy, crazy when you think about it that way. The third question, how does one continue to believe when their prayers are not answered as they desire. You know, sometimes we just pray and we pray and that answer is not, we don't, we don't get an answer. And I know you, you always describe this very well. Yeah, I think, of, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an old country music fan and, and there's, there's a Garth Brooks song that said, I thank God for unanswered prayers. <laughs> How many times... I can look back at many things I've prayed for and today I thank God. That it didn't turn out that way, yeah. um, you know. Part of part of what brought um, me to the place I was to there again start running for God was was the we we were just talking about the housing crisis of two thousand and eight. Yeah, slowed my life down dramatically because my background is in construction. Um, when 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 we started seeing that happen, man, you better believe I was praying for God to to take this crisis away from us. Yeah. This housing crisis, it was damaging our business and bringing us to a, a screeching halt. I'm glad he didn't do that. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that the 08 housing crisis happened. Did a lot of people get hurt? Yes. Um, just like this coronavirus, I, I think there's a lot of people out there, including myself, praying that it would just go away or that it never happened. But but God's got a plan in this. He does. Um, so we've got to be careful in, in what we pray for a lot of times. Yeah. Um, because... We have to understand that everything works to the good yeah, for God's will in one way or the other. And, you know, one of the things that we're learning through this crisis is that being healthy is important. Exactly. We, we take that for granted, those of us who are healthy, I think, sometimes. But um, we're learning that some of those risk factors that that make this, this disease more deadly, if, if, they, if the percentage of our population 
um, of, of people who had some of those risk factors that are preventable. If they didn't have those, this thing wouldn't be nearly as big a deal as it is. And I have seen more people out on the roads, excuse me, out on the roads and out on the trails running mm-hmm. lately mm-hmm. than I think I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, you know, I, I do a, a little radio show uh, with our local radio station, J103, every Thursday morning, and and we kind of go through the reasons why to run. And this past week, I said, because it could prevent you from getting the coronavirus. Yeah. And that sounds kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's not. You it's know, not. Mm-hmm. the coronavirus is a respiratory disease. It attacks the respiratory system. And what better way to have a healthy respiratory system than to be out there exercising? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, you're right. So we hope, uh, we, and, and of course, there are going to be bigger, bigger and greater things that come out of this than, than that. But yeah. uh, that's just one byproduct, I think, of the whole thing. So um, what a great story. And uh, we thank you so much for uh, sharing that with us, Pamela. Uh, now, go out and check out uh, the Big Share app. If you like stories, um, then there is an app out there. It's called The Big Share. And you actually can film and, and submit your own story. Uh, and it's, it, it goes into a group of stories that's called Come On, Let's Go. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's, there's hundreds and thousands of these stories. So go out there and uh, check out the Big Share app. There is power in people's stories. What I did need and what I was begging for was a relationship that I didn't know that I, I needed and only God could give it to me. I started hearing all these stories that just made me realize this was the right move. I'm here to give these people hope through what Christ can do in their life. Your story can help encourage others around the country, just like these stories have. You can walk through a simple process of sharing your story with the Big Share app. Download the Big Share app in your app store to start sharing hope with others. Okay, so I was thinking about what a race would look like these days because we can't you know we're all jonesing for a race and we can't we can't find races and people aren't getting together and all of that so i thought about this what if you had a race that looked like this first of all nobody gets within six feet of one another right in the triathlon world we've seen with the youth triathlon we have these time trial starts Mm -hmm. right Where, where one person starts every few seconds what if you lined everybody up in order of their ability so that people don't really pass each other as much. Um, you, you sent them out every three seconds so that they stayed separated. Uh, and then you, you, you just time everybody individually. Um, and in the end you have a, uh, you do it as a estimated time of arrival race, which we've done with, mm-hmm. with our, our kids some, uh, where you, before the race starts, let's say we do it as a 5k and you say, okay, I'm, my time is going to be 25 minutes and you see how close you can get to 25 minutes without wearing a watch. And, um, and you seat everybody based on the time they're going to finish so that they never pass each other. What does that sound like? Doesn't that sound like a great idea? Yeah. I hope that's not where we go to. <laughs> I hope we get back to regular racing here before long. Uh, we actually had a little, uh, um, we coached some athletes, you coached some cross country girls and, and we, we got a few of them together yesterday morning. We kept our distance, you know, everybody had their own lane, but 
we did a one mile time trial and I know my son was so excited the night before because he said, I'm so ready to get back to racing. <laughs> it was a one mile time trial, yeah. but he was preparing for that race like it was the Olympics or something <laughs> because, yeah, it's for, for people who love racing, this has been tough. Yeah, you know, I don't race that much anymore, so it's not been that hard on me in that, from that perspective, but for people who train to race like some of these young athletes do, it's been tough on them. Yeah, um, and so yeah, I'm I'm hoping we get back to normal quicker for them uh, more than anybody because they do train so much. I mean, some of these athletes train twenty, thirty hours a week. Yeah, and uh, well, and for the weekend warrior too, I'll tell you, I I used to run a lot of road races. I don't anymore, but at one time I ran a lot of road races. I would probably run twenty five to thirty a year. Mm-hmm. So it's like every other weekend. Yeah, and I knew people that were at almost every one of those, mm-hmm. and that was. That was their weekend. That's what they did. That's I mean, what. That's your friend group. And that, yeah, it's like your extended family. Yeah, and um, and so that's all been pulled away from them. Well, and as of right now, we are running run at the mill August the fifteenth. So yeah, you're listening to this. It may be one of the first races uh, on the schedule after all this is said and done with. So if you if you want to meet us in Varnell, Georgia, August the fifteenth for a five k, ten k, or half marathon. Um, it's our oldest running race. It's a great atmosphere and it's just a ton of fun. So come join us. You can, you can find out more about it on our website. That'd be great. That'd be great. It is time for Dean's thoughts. And that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And this week's story is called going extreme. People love being extreme. The problem is that it is often focused in the wrong direction. When someone gets hit sick, he or she might describe it in some extreme way, like, I'm so sick, I can't even hardly get out of bed. Or the doctor says it's one of the worst cases he's ever seen, or um, something like that. Sometimes those things are actually true, but sometimes they're exaggerations. I'm not saying that people are liars, but we love to be on the extreme end of things. No matter what your thoughts are on our current circumstances, I notice that it seems like some people want the current coronavirus situation to be worse than it is. It's already bad enough on its own. But the human nature, but our human nature seems to draw us toward the negative, even the extreme end of it. The news, uh, whether virus related or not, is sensationalized and made to feel more extreme than it actually is. Sometimes the extreme notions are not necessarily negative. For example, we have extreme sports. We have the X Games and the Winter X Games. The X, of course, stands for extreme. We most assuredly have an appetite for extreme things. I've seen video of people who will jump off a building with a parachute. How much more extreme can you get than that? I remember when the marathon was extreme. Not anymore, Uh, We have pushed that boundary way back. Ultra marathons can be found almost anywhere. Then it was an Ironman distance triathlon. 2.4 miles of swimming followed by 112 miles of cycling followed by a marathon. Now there are double and triple Ironman events and much more if you're completely insane. If you've never heard of the Barkley marathons, Google it. It's a race in which some years there are no finishers. It always has more non-finishers than finishers, and it isn't even close. Why would anyone enter a race when they only have a tiny fraction of a chance to finish? 
We love extremes. Each of us has a different level of extreme. For some, a three-mile run is our limit. For others, a half marathon or full marathon will challenge us like nothing else. We all like to know we have pushed that barrier out a little further, don't we? But what if we were extreme in a different way? What if we worked really hard to be positive? What if it was our goal for us to inspire people to look at us so differently that they talk about us when we leave the room? Like, that guy was so kind. Wasn't she the nicest person you've ever met? The room just lights up when she enters it. If you ask anyone who knows me how I respond, when someone asks me how I am, they will probably tell you, he will say, I'm just right. It is my way. (coughs) It is my way of always being positive. (coughs) But here's my dirty little secret, though. I'm not always just right. Sometimes I might be the opposite, but I'm not lying. First of all, God said I was righteous. Read just right. When I accepted Christ as my savior. Second, there are days when I talk myself into it. If I say it enough, sooner or later, I'll believe it. You know where else you can find extreme things? The Bible. If you don't believe me, go to the last few chapters of Judges. It's a pretty extreme story. But the Bible is also a story of God's extreme love for us. He went so far as to offer his son as a sacrifice for us. That's pretty extreme. Let's think and be extreme. Extremely different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've done some extreme things, Mitchell. I know uh, many would consider bull riding to be (laughs) extreme. I don't know if many people know that, listen to this. But yeah, I was... For whatever reason, I got into rodeoing in high school. I, nobody in my family ever rodeoed or still doesn't rodeo, but for some reason I thought bull riding would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that for four or five years. I really wasn't that good at it, but uh, I love the people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I traveled all over the southeast. I actually worked for a stock contractor. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a bit of a adrenaline junkie more so back then than now i'm i'm a little more tamped down nowadays yeah Um, whatever (laughs) recently just so everybody knows it wasn't that long ago that i remember going to a wellness center and running into mitchell who had just decided on a whim i think i'll run 30 miles on my birthday so uh yeah you're you're not completely yeah, over the that's adrenaline. Not dangerous. Thing. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I've taken the dangerous out. I do like extreme. Yeah, yeah. I, I love push. I think we're all that. You're this way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you like acute pain. I never liked acute pain. I liked. I like. I like longer, slower. Seeing how I can test myself. I'm kind of the Dean Carnassus between me and you. Yeah. But yeah. you, you like the short, fast. You like pushing your body hard, acute. Yeah. Trying to see how fast you can run a 5K. I, I, I care nothing about running a fast 5K. <laughs> I broke 20 minutes one time in my life, and I said, that's enough. Uh, you and my son, y'all, y'all try to <laughs> – it just hurts too bad. Um, so, yeah, maybe I've taken the danger and the, the pain out of it, but I still love to, to push myself every now and then. But you, you do too. Yeah. Yeah, I still, I mean, it's a, to, you know, some days I just feel good when I'm out running and I'll run, I'll, I'll find a hill and it's like, hey, let me see how fast I can run up this hill. Yeah. Um, yesterday, just yesterday, I ran, a, I did a, I did a run yesterday and when I was finishing the run, I, I, 
well, I won't talk about my habits, but I don't normally run up this one particular hill, and it's really steep, and it's in my neighborhood. Um, but yesterday I decided I'm going to run up that hill and make sure that my pace doesn't drop. My average pace for the whole run doesn't drop from me going up that hill. And that was just, I don't know. It's just, there's just something about just testing yourself and yeah. your metal. And why, why is that? Why are, why are we wired that? Because I think most everybody is to some extent. Yeah. I, um, it's just to see how far we can push the yeah the human body yeah it's an interesting thing that we're that we're built that way to want to do that my wife calls me a pain junkie yeah um yeah i I don't know if that's yeah i don't know if that's accurate i think you just like to be able to get done and go i did that yeah you know i i I was recently listening to something about a rim to rim to rim run i don't know if you've heard that on the the grand canyon where you start on one rim you run down and back up the other side which is 24 four, 25 miles, something like that. And then they turn around and run back down and back out. And the elevation changes. Oh, it's crazy. crazy. Yes. And it's, uh, I don't know. I, we've hiked the Grand Canyon before down into the canyon. I've never been there. Well, when you get down into the canyon, the, uh, it, it gets dangerous down there because the humidity level um, changes so much and it gets so dry that you don't even realize you're thirsty and so you don't drink enough and it, it's how do you in that race how do you cross the river there's a what is that is that the colorado river yeah yeah i've never been all that? the way down to the bottom but um, there's a camp down there at yeah. the bottom and so there's a way to get to that camp and i guess there's a bridge that goes over into so that there camp. are bridges across that in yeah. the grand canyon okay yeah. yep down at the bottom of the canyon so, i just assumed that was part of the <laughs> the draw to that race is you you got to get across that river somehow. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, I'd like to do that. I, I don't want to do the rim to rim to rim. I don't think I want to do the whole back. You know, all the start back. You get back to where you finished. But I would like to go rim to rim. I think that would be fun to do. Yeah, that would stink once you get to the other side and you're like, "Yay! No, yeah, I've got to turn around and go back." <laughs> I can't imagine that feeling. No, that wouldn't be. Oh. I, I'm a point to point person. Not yeah. a, after twelve or thirteen miles of climbing, yeah, nonstop, and then all yeah, of a sudden, okay, now let's go back down. That wouldn't be fun. Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, I, I mentioned the the Barclays Marathon, uh, marathons. I, I watched a documentary on that recently. Um, it, it, it literally, there's a lot of years where where nobody finishes because it's so hard, and you go out on this race, and people come back and they're bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't blaze a trail for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they just give them a map and say, you got, this is, this is your checkpoints. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, but here's how the, here's how they know you hit the checkpoints. You're given a number before you start. And so they place books in places where you have to find them when you're out there and you have to go to that checkpoint, find the book and then rip the page out of the book that corresponds with the number you have. And really? that's, that's how you, that's how they know you've been there. You bring that page back. And it, they do some weird, like, they don't even really advertise that race, do they? No. There's, there's no, no. you, you kind of have to be in the know to even know the race exists. Yep, yep. And it's just got a, like this cloak of yep. secrecy over it. Yeah, I, it I know the documentary you're talking about. I've never seen it. It's it's actually on Amazon. It, yeah. Did you th- watch yes, I've, I've seen that. that one. I've seen a couple of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be interesting to watch. And there's another one that's even more extreme than that one, and it's called the Spartan Death Race. I saw your notes there. I've never heard of this. And for a long time, the way you got to that race and you learned about that race was you went to a site called youmaydie.com. <laughs> That's pretty extreme. Um, but they have people do 
it's not just a running race. It's more, now Barclays. The Barclays Marathon is a. It's basically a running race. Although there's some of the some of it's so steep you have to climb, uh, but it's it, it's it's more of a running thing. This one you have to carry bridges um, with groups and other people. Um, sometimes you have to dig and move um, a wheelbarrow full of dirt across a field. Um, there was last year a 12-hour crawl under barbed wire. Wow. I mean, just so crazy extreme. So this and isn't associated with the, the Spartan race, is it? The branded Spartan race? I, I, I think it is. I think it's the same guy who does who put on the spartan races does this too really crazy people yeah this is for the really really crazy people there's there i think there's three levels there's the general spartan races that we all know about Mm -hmm. there's one that's a little bit more serious and a little and and a lot tougher and then there's this one um and and it's it's crazy but it it, it goes i mean it goes to that that adrenaline that i want to be able to say i did it yeah and a lot of times i mean for some of these we've even talked about i mean the like the Barclays for one, it's not so much the physical. Um, you know, I still say the hardest thing I've ever done, I've done a few Ironmans and some some crazy different kind of running on treadmill for a long time. And But the hardest thing I ever done was the Blue Ridge Relay, which was a 208-mile relay. There was You can have between 6 and 12 people to do this, and we had 6 people. So it wasn't like I was doing this myself. But it was the mental side of that race that made it the hardest thing I've ever done because you would, each leg would be six to ten miles depending on which leg it was. Sometimes you're going up the Blue Ridge Mountain, sometimes you're going down. So the, the physical aspect of it wasn't that hard, but it was, it was doing something like that for thirty hours. You can only have a fifteen passenger van, so there's six guys and there's a pilot and a co-pilot, a, a direction giver. And you think about it, six guys in a van who are all running for 30 hours with pizza and you, you just get what you can eat. I mean, you could not sleep and the it smell. smelled oh. horrible. Uh, one of our friends that we won't give his name away, but he, he sweats like a <laughs> wild animal or something. We'd make him dry off before he got in the van. And it was the mental side of, I remember waking up, I, you can't really sleep, but you would doze off, and I, I woke up, and there was a guy sitting next to me that I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and the thing about this race is the van cannot follow you. you the, the vans have to take a different route. So you're running the Blue Ridge Mountains in the middle of the night. I mean, this is like banjo deliverance type stuff. But I, I woke <laughs> up, and I don't even know how we got on the story, but I woke up, and this guy was sitting next to me, and it's like I'm delirious, and I'm like, who are you? And he had gotten lost, and our driver, one of my buddy's dads, just picked him up, told him to get in. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess the moral to what I was trying to say is, you know, sometimes it's not the physical yeah, stuff the, the that is the side. most extreme. It's the mental side that yeah. takes a lot of people down before the physical will. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, crazy. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of money when I was growing up when I was a kid, and I, I wasn't. Uh, so enterprising as to go out and 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 do it and get a job or anything and um, but one way I would make some money was I would I would get on these these electrical boxes you've probably seen them in yards they're about two feet high mm-hmm. um, and I would stand on these electrical boxes and I would get all of my friends 
to pitch in $1 each. And if they all put in a dollar in this pot, I would fall off of this electrical box face forward without putting my hands down. <laughs> you were that kid. I was that kid. <laughs> I was that. That was, I think back and I think so stupid. How many concussions did I wind up with from that? I don't know. Um, but that's, yeah, I would get a few dollars for that. And it wasn't the dollars. It wasn't even the money that did it. It was just the idea that you're not crazy enough to do this, but I am. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's just, yeah, I was wired that way from a young age. So, um, yeah. So go out there and do something crazy, but not too crazy. Don't get hurt. Yeah. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You. Yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. So talking about becoming a Run for God instructor, coach, uh, right now we have our Run for God uh, coaches kit on sale, don't we, Mitchell? Yeah, you know, after this corona, I feel like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think some states are going to be slower getting back to normal um, than others, but I think everybody's ready to get out and do something, and there's no better time. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are you are a prime candidate to be a Run For God coach. Many of you are, uh, but if you're out there right now and, and you've thought about this, you know, we, we give you everything you need to be able to lead a Run For God 5K Challenge class. And, and the, the crux of the 5K Challenge is it's a, it's a 12-week Bible study that parallels faith and endurance, and it takes people who have never run their first 5K. And you can be a part of that. You can, you can coach that. Um, there's no better satisfaction than, than using the passion that you have, which in this case is running, to point other people to Christ. It's a, like I said, it's a 12-week program. And right now it's 50% off. And we're going to keep it that low for a period of time. I, I don't know right now how long that will be. Um, but we want you to, to use your passion to point other people to Christ. That's what this ministry is all about. Um, and, and, and we need more coaches out there. We want more coaches out there. Uh, we're just over 4,500 right now, uh, but we need 20,000 coaches. Yeah. Um, because every one of those coaches represents 50 to 500 people, um, that they are teaching the sport of running to, but more importantly, they're teaching them how to parallel that concept of running with their walk with Christ. And the beauty of it is many of those people don't know Christ. Yeah. And you'll be part of, of intro, making that introduction uh, through chapters 9 and 10, which, like I said, we give you all the tools. This is um, When I started my first class, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have this template, but we now have that in place now that it, it makes it easy for everybody, um, really no matter what kind of level of teaching you've had or, or uh, you know, you don't have to... You don't have to be a world-class runner. You don't have to have a theology degree. You, ha- you don't have to have been to seminary. 
Um, yep. You just have to be willing. Yep. And that's all we're looking for is people who are willing to share this sport with other people. And this is a great time to do it because uh, a lot of people have some extra time right now to plan. Yeah. So now is a great time to get your hands on that and to plan this thing out. And uh, you may not have a date right now that you can plan for a race or whatever, but you can plan this thing out and, and be ready yeah. when it when the time comes. Um, yeah, just go and to it's run, easier than you think. Yeah, runforgod.com and click on 5K Challenge. That'll tell you all about it. You can watch some videos on, on uh, how it's done. And, uh, but it's really simple. It's, yep. uh, you meet once a week for class, and you run three times a week. It's really that simple. It is. So we share every week uh, why running is so awesome. And this week, I'm going to share this one. When we run, we see the world from a different place. One of the things that, that I do when my wife and I go on vacation is I usually get up early and I go for a run and I see our vacation place completely differently than she does mm -hmm. because she sees it through the windows of a car mm -hmm. and seeing it on foot is so much different because I guess maybe it's because you're moving slower. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but, uh, but yeah, it's seeing the world in a different way is so fascinating to me. Um, and I think about that. We talked about Dean Carnazes, yeah. and I think about the number of miles and the places that that man has run. Yeah. Can you imagine what right. he has experienced on his feet? Yeah, I mean, I experienced it just a few years ago. I, I tell this story some, um, but we had several years back, well, actually a few weeks ago, but I'm talking about several years back, we had some tornadoes come through our area uh, that really ravaged uh, parts of our area, and I was doing a long run one day, and uh, there was a section where the tornado went through that I had driven through several times um, prior to this run, but I, I ran through that area, and it's like I was so acutely aware, more aware mm -hmm. of the need by seeing it on foot. I, I was seeing people's faces sitting under tents outside their homes that had been completely destroyed that I didn't notice those people driving by in a car. Yeah. You're, you're looking at the devastation, yeah. And you're not seeing the, the intimate details like you do on foot. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a, a depressing side. Uh, but it, it's just seeing the, the, the small things. Well, sometimes it's even it's, it's grand. I, I, boy, I see stuff all the time from Linda Null. Uh, yeah. She posts stuff where she's running in some great places, yeah. some great views. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's nature. Yeah, it's slowing you down. Yeah, it's great. For some, it's, it's just slower than others. Motivational thought of the week is your body can withstand anything. It's your mind you have to convince. <laughs> I love that because that's so true. Our bodies can handle so much more. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know who originally said that. It's been attributed to a few different people, but, but that is a... Uh, the mind is so powerful. Yeah. If we can get over that, we can we can do anything. Um, hey, listen, join the Run for God Run Club if you're not already a member and you just again happened up on this podcast or this YouTube video, then you need to you need to join. Um, you get all sorts of stuff. Obviously, you get the written, the audio, the video of the of what we're doing here today. Uh, you get running plans. You get a weekly question and answer session on Thursdays. We, we have a good time on Thursday nights. Last week, we had Ryan Hall. Good yeah. heavens. How much better does it get than that? And we're going to keep booking those people. That, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Like I said, we're going to have Dean Carnassus coming up here. But we're going to continue to reach out to people, not only runners, not just runners, but people who 
see this sport through different sets of eyes. And that's, that's our goal is to get a lot of different people that you may be familiar with and we may be introducing you to some. Yep. Um, but we're always going to have guests. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, so look out for that. Be a part of all of this. You get discounts on Run for God gear. It is only $9.97 a month. Um, it's less than the co- than a cost of a cup of coffee for each episode. So uh, when you think about it in those terms, um, it, it really is a bargain. And uh, the folks that are in Run Club seem really motivated to get out there and do some things. Motivates so, me. Yeah, see, it does me too. all they're doing. It does me too. So if you are part of us, if you've happened on this podcast, give us a, a five-star review. Go out there and like stuff and, and share and let folks know and uh, our best advertising is for you to share it with other people. Exactly. So go out there and share all this stuff and, and let people know about what we do. And, um, and hopefully we reach that one, one more person for Christ. Exactly. That's what it's all about. So may God bless every step of every run. Now go out and shine your light. Good word, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.